Hello, 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 and welcome to our 7 at 7, which is taking place right in the middle of our Wednesday night service. So if you are tuning in for the Wednesday night service, we are going to just postpone just a little bit here so we can engage in our topic that we are focusing on tonight, which is praying for the lost. And if you are just joining online with us, we want to welcome you to joining us for our seven minutes of prayer at 7 p.m. I'm Jared Blaukamp. Yes, and I'm Caleb Crocker. It's it's awesome to see you, even though we can't see your beautiful faces. Uh, thank you for tuning in for this time of prayer. And so, like I said tonight, we are, our topic tonight is focused on praying for the lost. And so we are going to be joining Jesus as he is praying already for the lost, and we are going to be interceding. And so as you're watching, as you're praying, we encourage you to think about those people in your life who may not know the Lord yet. Think about those people, and if you want to um, type those names in the chat of those people that you are specifically praying for, we have team members who are fielding those and praying over those with you and joining in there. So that's a beautiful way that we can engage. And so as we get going, engage in the chat, and we are about ready to go here. I think we're ready to go. So let's, if you would join me right now, we're going to get going and begin to pray. So thank you everyone for joining, and let's pray. Jesus, I love you. I thank you so much, God. We lift you up and we magnify your name. You are so good and you are greatly to be praised, Jesus. I thank you, Father God, that we have this opportunity, God, to pray for those who do not know you yet. And Lord, I, I bring these people, Lord, these lost people to you right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I ask, Father, that your spirit would enter in and lift the blinders off of their eyes, Lord, that would unplug their ears, Father, maybe from the message that they've heard for a long, long time. I just feel on my heart, and maybe some of you guys watching right now are specifically praying for prodigals to return. And I just, I want to call that out right now that the, the prodigals, those who were once walking with the Lord but have turned their back from the Lord. I just want to intercede over those people right now, Jesus. I thank you, Father, that you, in Luke 15, Lord, you were the one who stood at the edge of your property and, and waited for you, that prodigal son to return. And when they returned, you weren't mad or standoffish, Lord. You ran with a ring and a robe and you cloaked them in your, in your embrace, Jesus. So I pray right now, Father, we intercede on behalf of those sons, those daughters, maybe those parents, maybe those aunts and uncles who have turned their back away from Jesus and are not walking with the Lord. And we say right now, we declare in faith that they will come home to Jesus, that they will come home. They will be embraced in the Father's arms again, Lord. We just, we come before you, God, and we thank you, Jesus. That is your will, Jesus, that no one, no one should perish, but that everyone should reach repentance, God. That is your will. And Lord, you say in your word in 1 John, Lord, that when we pray anything in accordance with your will, we can be confident that you hear us. And when you, if, if you hear us, God, then we can be confident that we've received what we asked for, God. So we stand in faith, Jesus. We stand in faith right now, believing you, the God of the impossible, Lord. We say that, that it doesn't matter where they're at right now, where that lost person is at, Jesus. We call them saved. Lord, we call them healed and we call them delivered, Lord, in the name of Jesus and for the glory of Jesus Christ. And Lord, I specifically pray, Father God, for, for every single person that's watching online, Father God, and for me and Caleb here tonight, Jesus. And Lord, we pray that you would fill us with boldness, God. You would fill us with boldness, Lord, to share the gospel, to share the good news of great joy, to share the love and the power of Jesus with the people that are around us, God. And Lord, we, we thank you, Jesus, for this boldness, God, to, to 
reach out to those who are lost in our life, Lord, and then to carry that heart of intercession from this moment forward. Jesus, we love you. We honor you, Father. You're so good. We thank you, God. You're so good. Jesus, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for all of us, whether we already have accepted you as our Savior or, or we're still wandering alone, Lord. I ask that your love would just reach out and wrap around us. Wrap around the people who have not turned their heart to you, Lord. Become so evident in their lives and, and, and bless them, I pray. Blessing over those who have not accepted you as their Lord, as their King of Kings. I just pray favor over them, Lord, that that, that would turn their heart to you that they would seek you first, that they would know how sweet it is to follow and to serve you, how sweet it is to obey you, and how rewarding it is to be in your family. I thank you, Father, that you want no one to be lost. It's your will that all would come to you. And so we pray for every single person that is not yours right now, We thank you that you're drawing them near to you. We thank you that you're showing them your favor, that you're showing them your face. Lord, we pray open eyes, open ears, and soften hearts for the masses across the world. Lord, we thank you that what you have said goes out from you, and it does not return to you void. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity that you've given us, each and every one of us, to be a witness to look at the model that you presented in Jesus, your son, that you gave us, that we can live with that joy, we can live with that peace and everything that comes with the Spirit, that we can model that and turn hearts and minds and souls to you. I thank you that, Lord, you've called us to the nations. Whether it's Cambodia, whether it's Russia, Lord, we may not even travel 100 miles, but Lord, you've called us to a people group and you've equipped us with that calling. You don't call us to do anything that you don't also equip us to handle. So Lord, I thank you for blessing us to bless others, to bring others into your family so that they would know the richness of your might, the richness of your glory, that we would come to know and love you even deeper, God. I thank you for, for everyone that's posting names in the chat or, or places, maybe it's workplaces or schools, places that may be void of Christ or people who profess to follow Christ. I pray over these names in these places right now. In Holy Spirit, I thank you for invading those places now in the name of Jesus. That you would overwhelm those places with your love, with your light, and that we would not be able to deny that it's you. Lord, we thank you for every blessing that you give us. We thank you for everything that you've blessed us with to bless others and to bring them into this family also. We thank you so much. And we ask that you would continue to to bring people into this family that you would send laborers into the harvest. Lord, send us. May may we be the ones that you send. Strengthen us to do so. In Jesus' name.
Yes, God, we thank you, Father and Lord. And we just, I'm reminded of the story of Stephen and Paul. Stephen, literally, as he was being murdered and gave his life for the testimony of Jesus, he said a powerful phrase, which is also said by Jesus on the cross, but said, do not hold this sin against them. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And Paul was among the crowd that actually put him to death. And it would be just a few days later that Paul would have his encounter with the Lord and actually come to know Jesus. So we just pray over every single lost person. Lord, we cry out in that same vein. Lord, do not hold their sin against them, Jesus. Lord, do not hold their sin against them, but have mercy on them. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that you are coming for them, Lord. We love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank you so much for joining us for the 7 at 7. Um, this is, is going to conclude that portion of prayer that we are doing, but we are continuing our Sunday night service. Two announcements, quick announcements for those people who joined us for the 7 at 7 is make sure to post your testimonies of what the Lord is doing in you and through you over these 21 days of prayer and fasting. We want to hear what God is doing and celebrate with you of what God is doing in and through your life. And then number two is we are hosting a night of prayer, worship, and testimony on January 30. And that's going to be right here at Res Life Church. And we want to personally invite you, every single person, to come to that. It's going to be a night of celebration as we conclude our 21 days of prayer and fasting and give the Lord glory and honor for everything that he's done. So that concludes our 7 at 7. Thank you so much for joining. And we're going to continue our normal Wednesday night service with a teaching on praying for the lost. And so I encourage you to stick around. We're going to get into the thick of it. And so as, we, as I start this message on praying for the lost, I wanted to share a testimony with you guys. And this testimony is from Cosette, and she is a sophomore at Calvin University. And she is completely on fire for Jesus and is leading others on her campus to know and love Jesus. You know, and some, sometimes we hear a lot about the college campuses and a lot of it is spoken in a negative light. You know, we hear about all the different, you know, teaching styles that they're using and different theories that they're pumping in. And, you know, it's, it can be viewed as a godless place, but I want to communicate that there is a message of hope on our college campuses, specifically in West Michigan. Every single week, people are getting saved on these college campuses. People are stepping into new and deep relationship with Christ. And that is what Cosette is involved in at Calvin University. So Cosette, Cosette gave her life to the Lord about a year and a half ago at a campus ministry event at Calvin University. And as soon as she gave her life to the Lord, she had this burden on her heart to start praying for her family members that did not know the Lord yet, and specifically her brother. And so from that moment on, she started praying for her brother. Now, her brother at that time was walking completely away from the Lord. And Cosette was tr would try to tell him about Jesus, would share the gospel with him. But every time she did, he just gave her the hand and said, I'm, I'm not really in it. He, he hated God and had wanted nothing to do with God at all. Nothing to do with God. He had some bad experiences as he was growing up and that really turned him off toward religion or anything related to God. But Cosette had a burden in her heart and she said to herself, if he would turn, if her brother would turn and start living for Jesus, then she was convinced that her whole family would know that there's a God. Because his life was starting to spiral out of control and they've tried a bunch of different things to help him and nothing was working. And, and she said that 
literally only God could have helped him and turned his life around. So at this point, when Cosette started praying for him, he was addicted to drugs and alcohol and other addictions, and he was in and out of prison. And he got released at one specific time. He got released from prison, but Cosette's brother wasn't really doing well, even though he was out of prison. And Cosette got a little bit discouraged, and she was like, you know, are my prayers really working? Like, it doesn't seem like anything's changing, even though I'm being persistent in this prayer. I'm praying for the lost, but it doesn't seem like anything's changing in her life. And then about six months ago, Cosette got a text from her mom, who herself wasn't really following Jesus, and said that her brother was even, even doing worse, had slipped into a darker place, and she was concerned that he might not live very much longer. And when Cosette heard that, she was in Alaska on a missions trip. And so she literally, she couldn't be there with her brother. Literally the only thing that she could do for her brother at that moment was pray. And so she decided that she was going to shut herself in her room for a couple days in a row. And she just hit her knees and started crying out to God for her brother's soul to be saved and for him to be freed from all of these addictions and to walk hand in hand with Jesus. And Cosette eventually came back from Alaska and came back to her hometown and didn't really hear much of an update about her brother or anything like that. And then in August, when she got back from Alaska, she got a text from her mom randomly one day. And this text said, hey, Cosette, by the way, I thought you should know your brother got baptized last week. And she was like, what, what the, what? Like she texted, she literally texted her mom back and said, you've got to be prank. Like, is this a prank? Is this a joke? And her mom said, no. And she went on to tell the story of how Alex, which is Cosette's brother, was dealing with a lot of demonic oppression. And for the longest time, he was afraid to tell anybody because he thought nobody would think he was serious. Nobody would believe him. But one day he confessed to his mom and his mom, who Cosette's mom, who literally did not know anything about Jesus, googled what does the Bible say about deliverance and found the, ma- the verse in Matthew 10.1 where Jesus gives his disciples authority over, over, over every unclean spirit. And she literally just spoke that and declared the word and her brother was delivered in their house and then gave his life to Jesus and shortly thereafter was baptized. And now and that's crazy, like praise the Lord. If you're watching online, you better type a hallelujah in the chat right now. That was awesome. And I think um, and through a series of circumstances, not really sure what happened, but her, Cosette's brother ended up back in prison. And as, as he's been in prison, Cosette has visited him, has been able to communicate with him. And from what she told me, Cosette his brother is literally on fire for Jesus in this prison. He is consuming the word of God. She said that there was a month-long stretch where he read the entire Bible in one month. He just read through the entire thing. He's been consuming the word of God, and he's been calling out and correcting other inmates who say they're following Jesus but then aren't really following him. He's been correcting them and leading them closer and closer to Jesus. And this person who was literally addicted and bound and so far from the kingdom of God and literally hated God, is now serving the God who he once hated. And he is leading other people into relationship with him. And where did that all stem from? It stemmed from one girl, Cosette, who was willing to hit her knees and not relent in her prayer over her brother. 
And that, that is powerful. And why, why do I share this testimony? I share it because that testimony may resonate with some of you. Some of you might have a brother, a family member like, like Cosette did. And I share that testimony to stir our faith for what God can do through our consistent prayer and our consistent intercession. I share it to give us hope for what can happen in the lives of our loved ones and our friends that do not know, to know the Lord as we continue to pray for them and intercede for them. And so tonight, we're going to unpack a little bit more this topic of praying for the lost in our life. And the title of my message today is The Burden of Jesus. You know, because after Jesus rose from the dead, he ascended to the right hand of the Father. And, you know, some of us might be asking, or maybe you've had the question before, of what is Jesus doing in heaven? Like, what is he doing? Is he just like chilling next to his Father and receiving all the praise and glory, you know? You know, what is he doing in heaven? And while Jesus is probably doing a multitude of things that, you know, we don't really know about and we won't really know about until we see him face to face, praise the Lord, there, Scripture does talk about one thing that Jesus is specifically doing for us and that is interceding or praying for the lost. And that is the bur- part of the burden that Jesus is carrying right now. And now we as his followers, as his believers, we get to join Jesus in carrying that burden and sharing that burden. We get to join him in praying for those who do not yet know him. And so as we get going here, you might be asking this question, you know, you've heard me mention this word a few times, but intercession, interceding, that, that whole topic, what is intercession? You might be asking that question, what is intercession? And intercession is simply the standing in the gap for somebody else. It's like you're acting as a bridge between that person and God. And it can be implied in a bunch of different ways. You can intercede for salvation. You can intercede for healing, for provision, for breakthrough, etc. There's a multitude of things that you can do. But the thing specifically to know is that intercession is marked by you praying and standing in the gap for somebody else. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you're grabbing somebody's hand over here and then you're grabbing Jesus' hand over here. You're kind of standing in the middle and then you're looking at Jesus. You're looking at God the Father and you're, you're praying on behalf of this person. And specifically, with, when we're praying for the lost, when we're praying for those who do not yet know Jesus and we're contending for salvation for our family members, it's like, it's like we're standing in the gap and then we're pulling these people. It's like we're pulling them and we're pulling them to Jesus in hopes that they would, start, they would take Jesus' hand. And that's the opportunity that we have today. So the first time that intercession is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 18. Now Genesis is the first book of your Bible. And the main character of this story is Abraham. So Abraham in this story has just been visited by some messengers of the Lord. And they just told him that the promise that he's been waiting 25 years for is about to be fulfilled. So Abraham is feeling good. And it's after that that message of the delivered promise was delivered, after that promise was delivered, it's after that message was delivered that we pick up in verse 17 of Genesis 18. So if you'll turn in your Bibles or if you have your phones, we're going to Genesis 18, verse 17 through 19. And this is what it says. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. 
For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. So the Lord is about to reveal to Abraham what he is about to do in the nation or in the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. And why has he revealed this to Abraham specifically? Like why specifically Abraham? Because Abraham has known the Lord and the Lord knows Abraham. They have a relationship together. And Abraham has developed this dynamic relationship with him through trust and through belief in God. And so we pick up in Genesis 18, now verse 20 through 21. It says, And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So God specifically reveals to Abraham here that he's about to destroy the land of Sodom and Gomorrah, that the entire nation is going to be consumed by fire. And after this, after the Lord reveals this to Abraham, Abraham starts to barter with the Lord, and he's barter with the Lord, asking him if, if he would spare the city if there were certain amounts of righteous people found in the city. So we get this picture of Abraham literally talking with God on behalf of a city who is about to receive an impending judgment. And he's asking them, he's asking the Lord to spare certain people that, who are in that city. And I can't help but feel like this is exactly what we are doing when we in, intercede for the lost. This is exactly what we're doing when we stand in the gap. We are having a conversation with God about a people group who do not know the impending judgment that's coming for their lives. Because just like the nation of Sodom and Gomorrah, there's people in our lives that are living in sin and completely unaware that at the end of their life, they're going to face an eternity in hell. They don't know where their life is heading after they die. And we have that opportunity, just like Abraham had that opportunity to talk with God, to intercede for those people who are lost. And the beauty of the end of that story in Genesis 18 and Genesis 19 is that Abraham's family was actually saved out of the city of Sodom and Gomorrah because Abraham had interceded for them. And I, I just say in faith, and I firmly believe that there's people watching online, you're watching right now, and you, the Lord has certain people in your life that are gonna be saved. They're gonna be saved from the impending judgment of hell because of the prayers that we pray from this moment forward. And I believe that God can do it. And so it's from this story of Abraham who had such a dynamic relationship with God that we get our first point for tonight. And the point number one is pray what Jesus is already praying. So we're just gonna go through three simple tips on intercession, three simple tips in praying for the lost. And our first tip is pray what Jesus is already praying. Kind of like I mentioned before, Jesus rose and ascended to the right hand of God the Father in heaven. And he currently is praying for the lost. This is what it says in Hebrews 7, verse 23 through 25. It says, also, there were many priests because they were prevented by death from continuing. But he, talking about Jesus, because he continues forever, he has an unchangeable priesthood. 
Therefore, he is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Did, did you catch that? Jesus always lives to make intercession for those who are coming to know him. He's, he's praying for the lost. We're talking about Jesus, the man who hung on the cross, the man who was whipped 39 times, the man who was literally raised from the dead and is now receiving all of the blessing and all of the glory and all of the honor and has been for thousands of years. That Jesus is praying for the lost. Why? Because his heart is breaking for them. He desperately wants them to come to know Jesus. And we see here that when we intercede for the lost, we actually have the opportunity to join Jesus in what he has already praying over those people in our life who don't know Jesus. And this is where, you know, Abraham developed a dynamic relationship with the Lord and that relationship informed his intercession. And so also, effective intercession is always birthed out of a dynamic relationship with God. We're not just going to pray for the lost just because it's our due diligence and we should do it just because we should do it. You know, we're not doing this out of religious obligation. We're doing it out of relationship with Jesus. And that's the thing that's going to sustain us in our intercession. Effective intercession is always birthed out of catching God's heart and his motives, his thoughts and his desires, and then praying those things out. Jesus says again in Matthew 6, verse 6, when he's giving a parable, or he's giving a, a, the, perhaps the greatest sermon that's ever been preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And specifically when he talks about prayer, he says in Matthew 6, verse 6, he says, but what you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. Do, do we catch that? Do we catch that? We go in the secret place. We shut the door. We go by ourselves, and we pray to our Father. There's that relationship piece. We pray to our Father who is in secret. And he who sees in secret will reward us openly. He's going to reward us openly. You know, and I, I like, I, when I think about this verse, and specifically that he who sees in secret will reward you openly. And in this topic of intercession, I love to give this analogy of a tsunami. You know, we've all seen maybe pictures, or maybe some of us have experienced it, of a, a, a tsunami wave. You know, in some of these waves, I was doing a little bit of research before, you know, uh, talking today, and I was researching the 15 most devastating tsunamis that have happened across the world. And there's been some tsunamis, there's been some waves that have been over 200 feet high when they came and crashed over the land. Like 200, a 200 foot high wall of water. That isn't crazy. And imagine that wall of water just coming and completely devastating and changing the entire landscape. Like nothing was the same after the tsunami came as, when, as before. Nothing was the same. Everything had changed in that landscape. But do you know how that wall of water became so high and where it started? Do you know? The answer is 
the tsunami wave didn't start right at the edge of the beach. It didn't start at the shore. It started hundreds and perhaps thousands of miles out in the middle of the ocean and then hundreds of miles and thousands of miles down below the ocean surface. And it started with a little earthquake, a little shifting of tech, things called tectonic plates down, down beneath on the ocean floor. Nobody saw what happened. Nobody saw the shift in the plates. Nobody saw the little earthquake that happened. But everybody saw the 200-foot wall of water and how it completely changed. And I think this intercession is exactly, it's exactly like that little earthquake that happens below the ocean surface on the floor of the ocean. See, what we do and what we get to partner with Jesus in is we get to, we get to make these little earthquakes in the lives of other people. And while we may not see it, we may not see it in their life, we might not see an immediate change, what happens is this wall of water starts moving towards the shore. And as we continue and persist in intercession, this wall of water starts to rise and rise and rise and rise, and then all of a sudden it crashes on this person's life. And the entire landscape of their life is marked forever. It's different. And they'll never be the same. And you know, and we all want these testimonies. We all want these testimonies of people's lives being changed. And people's hearts being touched. And people's families being restored. And all of these different things. But are we willing to carry the humility into the secret place. To pray to our Father who is in secret. And to start the earthquake below the ocean surface. To, to intercede for those who do not yet know Jesus. Because if we will, then we will see these walls of water start to hit in our family members' lives who don't know Jesus. And we'll ask ourselves this question like Cosette asked herself, like, what happened to you? What happened? You got to be joking because you were this way and now you're totally this, another way. And so that is our first point is praying what Jesus prayed. Praying what Jesus prayed and how he's been praying over those who are lost and carrying that burden and that fire to start these little earthquakes. And now that we've caught the Lord's heart through relationship and we're beginning to pray with him, we're beginning to start these little earthquakes on the ocean floor in other people's lives. And as we're praying to him in the secret place, our second point is don't give up. Persistence is everything. Because sometimes when you start praying, you won't see the fruit of your prayers for a while. You won't see it. And God's mandate to you is don't give up. Persist in prayer over that person's life. And this is what it says in Galatians 6 verse 9. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap a harvest if we do not lose heart. Some translations say, if we don't relent. Now notice the verbiage used there. He said, he didn't say, you might reap a harvest if you don't relent. He didn't say, mm, maybe the Lord will think about giving you a harvest if you don't relent. He said, you will reap a harvest if you don't relent. So don't give up. 
Don't give up, no matter how, no matter if it looks like their life is going deeper and spiraling more out of control or getting further away from God. Don't relent. Keep pursuing and keep praying. Because that earthquake is causing a wall of water to come into their life. Again, in Luke, Luke 8, Jesus tells a parable about somebody who comes to his neighbor and it's late and he asks for some bread that he could give to prepare a meal. And this is what Jesus says. It's late and the, the person, the neighbor who, he, who was knocked on the door, he says he's in bed and he doesn't want to rise. He won't, give, he won't give him the bread. And we pick up on this parable in Luke 11 verse 8. Jesus says, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many loaves of bread as he needs. Like because of his persistence. Now, I want to encourage you in this too. You know, as we start praying, literally as we are praying for the lost, we are doing the will of God for our life. And this is what is promised in 1 John 5, verse 14 through 15. This is what is promised when we pray according to the will of God. Listen to this. 1 John 4, or 1 John 5, verse 14 through 15. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So anything in accordance with his will. So now you're asking, okay, what is the Lord's will? Let's go over to 2 Peter 3 verse 9. Again, that's 2 Peter 3 verse 9. This is what it says. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That is God's will for us on the earth. And so when we pray and we intercede for the lost, we are doing the will of God. We're praying in accordance with his will. And, and if we're confident that we're praying in accordance with his will, then we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have whatever we have asked of him. Now, you might be asking, okay, Jared, but like, if we have whatever we asked of him, and this is accordance with God's will, then why is there anything changing in that person's life? Like, if I have it, as soon as I pray it, then why do I have to persist in prayer? Why can't I just pray it once and then move on with my life? And this is the answer is because the enemy is against lost people coming to know Jesus and escaping the kingdom of darkness and being brought to the kingdom of light. The answer is that we are not just battling against flesh and blood, but we're against, battling against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age and spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. And so that leads us to our third point. You know, we talked about praying what Jesus prays, being birthed, intercession comes from a place of relationship. And then number two, we talked about don't give up. You have to be persistent in your intercession, even when you don't see it. And then our point number three is come against the enemy. Come against the enemy. Bind the enemy. You have the authority over the enemy, specifically over these people's lives. And so we see how that, we see in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 through 4, we see, we catch a little bit of an, a window into how the enemy is working in the lives of lost people. This is what it says in verse three through four. It says, but even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds 
the God of this age, which is just another way of saying Satan or the devil, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So we, we see here that the devil is actively blinding the minds and blinding the eyes of those who are lost, lest they see the light and the beauty of the gospel and turn and come and follow Jesus. So this is one thing that we can specifically pray for concerning those who have not yet to know Jesus. Maybe, you know, we're praying for our cousin Bob and we're saying, Lord, I thank you that Bob's mind is freed from the blindness that's over his mind. Lord, I thank you that his eyes are open to the light of your gospel so that he can turn and repent. And if, as we pray that, we're consistently pushing against that force of darkness over his life and there's gonna be a great breakthrough on the other side. Ephesians 6, verse 12 through 13, it says, our battle, is a spirit, our battle is a spiritual battle. It says that our battle is a spiritual battle. It's not just within the physical. And in verse 12 through 13, we pick up, it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, we are in a spiritual battle and we get the opportunity to wage war through our prayers. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4 through 5 also talks about how this is a little bit, this is a spiritual battle that we're in. And it says in verse 4 through 5, it says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, they're not physical, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so this, these weapons that we get to use, they're mentioned throughout the Bible. If you read further in Ephesians 6, it talks about some of these, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, talks about the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith. But there is a specific weapon that's mentioned in James 5, verse 16 through 18. And it's the weapon of prayer. It's the weapon of prayer. James 5, verse 16 through 18, this is what it says. It says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Did you hear that? I'm going to read that one more time. I'm going to read that one more time. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And that's the beauty, is we have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If we follow Jesus, if we've said yes to him, then we've been made his righteous, with righteousness. So that means that our prayers avail much. And that is why the Lord wants us to carry this heart of intercession for those who, lost, who, those who are lost because our prayers literally have the power to change people's lives. They have power to avail much in the, our lives and in the lives of those around us. It goes on to say in James 5, verse 17 through 18, it goes on to say that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. 
So Elijah, he was a prophet in the Old Testament before the Holy Spirit had been ever been given. And if his prayer was able to stop up the heavens from raining for three years, how much more could your prayer do? Now that you are filled with the Spirit of God and that the Spirit of the living God is, you are immersed in his Spirit and he's filled you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet. You know, God's heart is for the lost. And he wants people to come to know him. He wants people, because people in our lives, just like the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, are living their lives and engaging in a lifestyle of sin, and they don't know the impending judgment that's coming for them. And God is asking us, as a Res Life Church family, to be ones like Abraham who will know God so deeply and begin to intercede and stand in the gap for these people. He's calling us to be ones who pray what Jesus is already praying, who don't give up in their intercession but are persistent and who come against the enemy in their intercession and take the authority that's rightly been given to them. And you know, as we're talking about this, maybe as you're, as you're watching online, you're thinking of some people right now who are lost in your life. And my encouragement to you is to write those names down. Write those names down. Place them, on a, place them somewhere in your house where you won't forget them, but yet you'll see them every day and, and continue to pray. Continue to pray and pick up this mantle of intercession that Jesus has been carrying. Pray with Jesus for that person. But maybe you're watching and if you're honest with yourself, you, you don't really know Jesus yourself. You know, maybe you've walked the walk for a while or Maybe you were somebody who knew Jesus at one point but have fallen away from Jesus. You know, the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death and it's eternal separation from God. And maybe you are one like one of those people in Sodom and Gomorrah and you're living in sin and completely away from God and you don't know the judgment that's coming on your life. I'm here to tell you today that there is one man who gave his life for you. He died so that the payment of death on your life could be absolved. And he wants to enter into relationship with you. And he wants to be the Lord of your life and he wants to be the savior of your life. And if that's you tonight and you're watching and you're saying, I want to give Jesus my entire life. I wanna hold nothing back. I've lived this life of sin and it's honestly, it's not led me anywhere. It's only led me into anxiety and depression and further away from the people and things that I love. And I want to know Jesus. I want to be saved from hell and I want to be on my way to heaven. And I want heaven to get into me. If that's you and watching right now, would you type yes in the chat when I count to three? Ready? One, this is your chance. Today is the day of salvation. Two, Three, just type yes in that chat. And we are gonna have, pe- we have a team of people who are ready to begin the process of walking with you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Keep, keep typing in yes. It's not too late. And would you join me, if you're, as you're watching online, would you join me in, in saying a prayer as we close this night out? Say, Jesus, I love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you 
for wiping every single sin away from my life. I accept you as Savior and I accept you as Lord. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Again, thank you so much for listening tonight, for tuning in tonight. We are so blessed. And remember to type yes if you made that decision to follow Jesus into the chat. We have people who would love to get in contact with you. Thank you so much.